Yeah, this is the College Sports Hour. We got Clint and Greg uh-huh. dropping episodes yeah. every week. Yeah. It's so hype, better believe. Uh-huh. Make sure that you tune in. It's the real deal and I ain't lying. Yeah. From NCAA to college football on that gridiron. What's good? Yeah, should be understood. In March, we going mad, so stick tuned. Let's get to it. Join that conversation, because you know they keep it rolling. Watching the bases loaded. They love baseball, and you know this. Hey, this is the College Sports Hour. Where it's going down at College Sports Hour. Welcome to the podcast with your host, Clinton Gregg. You don't want to miss this. Giving you the info and plenty of opinions. Yeah. Ready, then let's get it popping with a former college athlete and a guy who went to college. <laughs> sports, they know all about it. If you love college sports, then you couldn't live without it. Let's go. The College Sports Hour with your host, Clinton Gregg. Make sure to subscribe. Let's go. What's up, College Sports Hour Nation? This is Clint McPherson of the College Sports Hour. I wanted to jump on this go live real quick and just talk about some of the big things that went on this past this past weekend, right? You had huge game between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators. You had Florida coming at number six in the nation. Then you had UGA ranked number eight. Both teams already suffered a loss in the during the year. So this right here was going to project the team moving forward and then seeing the team move backwards. But I want to talk about the UGA Georgia game today and Willie Taggart getting fired by the Florida State Seminoles. Hey, what's up, team? How you doing, buddy? Thanks for jumping on, man. Let's get the conversation started, though. Let's talk about what did you think about the UGA game this past weekend against Florida? Huge win for the for the um, Bulldogs. I mean, Jake Fromm basically led Florida uh, past or led Georgia past Florida uh, for the second straight year. I mean, he showed up late for the after party, obviously, and he was basically in his third and final wave of the Georgia players leaping into the stands at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So that's a pretty cool thing, man. Oh, so you're talking about Florida State? Um, you know, just hired, you know, fired Willie Taggart, which was a huge thing, right? That's another thing. But let's go back to the Georgia game real quick, and I'm going to jump into the Willie Taggart firing right after this. When you're looking at Georgia, this was a big win for them. Um, big win for them, and Florida took a step back. This this win catapulted Georgia to the sixth spot in the new rankings. They were eight, and it fall it allows Georgia to fall or Florida to fall from six to number ten. Which practically right now, this late in the season, I think they're basically eliminated from contention. I mean. Uh, Georgia is is a front runner East right now. So, Greg, thank thanks for jumping on, brother. Florida can't seem to overcome UGA. That's two years in a row, man. Hopes and dreams have been crushed. They definitely needed it after after that loss to South Carolina, without a doubt. But they couldn't get it done, man. Jake Fromm, I guarantee anybody would pick Jake Fromm over Kyle Trask, right at this point. So. Just coming into this game, this game played out exactly like I thought it would play out. Um, the score was a lot closer than how dominant I thought the Gator, the Georgia was, UGA, throughout this whole game. I mean, you know, when you look at the total yardage, let me look that up real quick. Um, total yards, 398 to 278. And a lot of that stuff towards the end came, you know, when Florida ended up getting those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, really helped them. But that twenty-two, that twenty-two yard dagger, I think, right there, that um, Jake Fromm connected with that wide receiver to end the game, and w- was pretty big. 
So definitely puts Georgia in a great position. Like I said, I think it eliminates the Gators from the playoff period. Uh, I don't see how they can they can get in after that, especially that South Carolina loss was like something that it, 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 ah man South South Carolina they you know if if, if Georgia would have lost this they would have been out right and Florida would have been in the talk for making it as long as they continue to roll through people, um, but at the end of the day it was a, it was a huge game Georgia needed it. Um, this is something that Kirby Smart needed just as much as UGA needed, right? Um, something that, you know, he's, it's, it's one of those things. These, these big games aren't elusive for Kirby Smart, but again, at the end of the, at the end of the year, if they make the playoffs, they're going to get another chance to try to um, run through it. Um, so we'll see it. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out though. I, I don't see Georgia being able to ruin any anybody's dreams this year but hey they've they've proved me wrong in the past um but again man uh when you look at deandre swift he added 86 rushing yards to help georgia in this game um just move that one step closer to the sec eastern division um, for the third consecutive year and and definitely strengthens their college football playoff resume just point blank you know obviously the gators can still make it in but but they're going to need a lot of help when it comes down to the East. You know, when you look lost, when, when you're in this game, you look lost on both sides of the ball most of the afternoon. I mean, it doesn't bode well for you or your chances to win this game. Again, give them kudos for fighting back and, and trying, to, trying to make this a game. But when you allow, allow Georgia to convert 12 of 18, all important downs, I mean, in Florida was just 2 and 9. It's Come on. You know, they needed to stay on the field um, better on offense, right? Florida did. Um, and then they needed to get off the field better on defense, and they just couldn't accomplish that throughout the game. Um, when you, when the takeaway from this game for me, after consecutive lackluster performances by UGA um, at home, it's one of those things that they look, they look much more like a complete team that can actually compete and make the college football playoff after this win. Because Florida this year is, is a pretty decent team, right? They ra- Florida ended up rallying three times earlier this season to win games after trailing in the fourth quarter. You know, one against Miami, one against Kentucky, and another one against South Carolina, but they couldn't do it again in this game. But officiating could be to blame in some of this when you look at it. I know Dan Mullen harped on it a little bit and, and, and a lot of questionable calls, especially going into halftime. There was a no no call earlier in the game that looked like pass interference against one of the tight ends um, on a fourth down play, right? There was also a pass interference call on a, on the cornerback C.J. Henderson, you know, when the ball seemed uncatchable. Yeah, but again, the officials let that that completion, um, Kager's twelve yard catch stand upon review in the second quarter. It definitely appeared though to me that the ball hit the ground before the receiver even got control of the ball. And so Fromm's first touchdown pass came three plays later. So that was a huge blow um, in this game. So you can say some some of these plays, some of the officiating was questionable. But again, Florida, again, I think got dominated for most of this this game. Um, And when you look at it, yes, 
Georgia does catapult and jumps Florida in the new AP Top 25. We're going to have the college football playoff poll out Tuesday, which is huge. Um, then Georgia goes on. They're going to host um, Missouri, I believe, next Saturday. You know, they have won five in a row in the series, UGA has. So I don't see them slowing down against Missouri, and they should definitely win this game. When you have Florida on the other hand, they're going to end up hosting Vanderbilt, um, which has dropped five straight and 27 out of the last 28 in the series. So, I mean, the good thing about it for either one of these teams, there were zero turnovers, which is huge. But UGA controlled the ball for most of the afternoon. I mean, it was like 36 minutes to 24 minutes or something crazy like that. So they had the ball for a lot longer. Again, they completed 12 of 18 third downs, which is the most important one of the most important downs in the game. You have to make those stops. You know, and again, Florida was two for nine. They did go for it um, fourth down three three times in this game. Florida did and converted two of them. But at the end of the day, you know, they were not able to get anything on the ground. I mean, obviously, when you're just relying on the pass, especially in the SEC, it's not going to bode well for you. You have to get your, – your line has to establish that rushing game somehow, you know, but that presence was never felt. I mean, they had 19 rushing attempts for 21 yards. That That's – that hurts, you know, and then and then the new AP top 25, you had LSU staying first, Alabama second, Ohio State third, Clemson fourth, Penn State fifth, and then Georgia, talking about Georgia and Florida, they're jumping up to six, followed by Oregon at seven. So two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Utah, seven and eight right now, putting themselves in good position. Oklahoma's nine, and then Florida's at 10. So did this game play out, the Florida-Georgia game play out like you thought it would? Again, I knew it was going to be close, um, it, the score-wise at least, right? You know, I didn't see Georgia um, dominating, being as dominant as they were throughout the ball game, um, and I didn't see Florida at the end of this game trying to get back into this. You know, when when Georgia goes up like they did, I thought you know Florida was going to fold. They didn't. They did come back and try to make this a game, but at the end of the day, they couldn't get it done. So let's transition and talk about Willie Taggart, guys. I mean, who's going to be the next Florida State coach? Put in the comment section below and let me know who you think is going to be the next Florida State coach. Um, Nassim, if you're still on. Greg, if you're still on, let me know who's the next Florida State coach. And do not say Aaron Meyer. And do not say, you know, I don't want Bob Stoops either. I'm a Florida State Seminole. But... When you look at this, Willie Taggart ends his career 9-12 and for Florida State. Didn't play out like he wanted to. It was definitely his dream dream job. Um, I don't know, Greg, if I'm happy they let him go because I don't think they gave him a fair shake, right? He did come in into a disastrous situation. I don't think you can really give a coach two years Less than two years is not even a fair shake at this, I don't think, right? Um, Chip Kelly, that's a good one. Um, but I don't know. Look what he's doing. He's not really doing anything at UCLA, but again, this, this is his second year, right? So you got to give these coaches a fair shake. I'm not sure. I know Bob Stoops is in the conversation, Mark Stoops, but somebody that really stands out to me and I get excited about because let's be real. What did Willie Taggart do to deserve the Florida State coaching job? 
I mean, look, personally, if you come to a Florida State, if you go to a Florida, if you go to Oklahoma, Ohio State, Miami, um, any of these teams that have rich histories, Michigan, Notre Dame, yeah, you might have to take chances on some of these coaches from time to time because somebody has to start somewhere. But again, I don't think I got it. Willie Taggart's been coaching for nine years since 2010. Started off at Western Kentucky, goes on to um, South Florida, goes over to Oregon for one year, but he had a losing record. He has a losing record at Florida State, had a losing record as a coach, period. I mean, I, but again, I don't think it was a fair shake, right? I just think he was set up for failure from the beginning, right? I think from the top down, not just the word Jimbo Fisher, when Jimbo Fisher basically, everybody wants to blame it on Jimbo Fisher, but when you're looking at it, from the president to the athletic director, everybody basically bounced, jumped ship. There were so many changes going on. Um, the athletic department, obviously, the football team, academic-wise, was struggling. Um, I heard they were ranked like 129th at 130. I don't know if that's a fact, but that's what I heard. Um, but again, when you bring a coach in that really hasn't done anything, let me look. I got a couple things right here I wanted to look up, right? Just so I'm not just making stuff up. Just wanted to make sure, okay? Obviously, Willie Taggart's coaching career started at Western Kentucky as a wide receiver coach in 1999. 2000, he became the QB coach. He was a quarterback at Western Kentucky. So this is that's his alma mater. He goes on from 2001 to 2002 at Western Kentucky. Now he's the co-offense coordinator and the quarterback coach, right? And then from 2003 to 2006, he's Western Kentucky's um, assistant head coach and the quarterback coach. Then he goes to Stanford as the running back coach for a few years under the Harbaugh's 2007 to 2009, okay? Then he gets his head coaching opportunity in 2010 at Western Kentucky. So he goes back to his alma mater place to coach, to be the head coach from 2010 to 2012. Then he goes better opportunity at South Florida from 2013 to 2016. Then he jumps and goes to Oregon. Florida State loses Jimbo Fisher and they pull him from Oregon to Florida State for a few years. But again, his overall coaching record right here, 56 and 62. In bowls, he is 0-1. And when you're looking at his coaching career, he's played in one bowl, and he's coaching at Florida State. He has a losing record and was coaching at Florida State. So he had a losing record before he started coaching at Florida State, and the losing record continued, right? But I got it. You have to start somewhere. Jimbo Fisher was a head coach, right, before he took over. But he was proven. He was a, he was under the Nick Saban tree. He was offensive coordinator for the LSU championship team. Um, and so, but he was the head coach in waiting. Bobby Bowen annoyed him, right? Or Florida State did. Brought him in. We won a national championship with him. But Will started falling off. Discipline started going out of the window. Discipline continues to still go out the window, even under Willie Tiger era, era it looks like. But when you're looking at it, man, what did he do? Let's go to his coaching career. Willie Tiger's coaching career at, Will, at at Western Kentucky when he started. Obviously, Western Kentucky, not the greatest team out there. 2-10 and ten his first year, right? They did break a 26-game losing streak that year um, while finishing with a 2-10 and ten record, okay, under Willie Tiger's first year coaching. 
Second year, he led Western, Western Kentucky to a 7-5 season. So a huge improvement there. Um, and then the next year in 2012, he takes the Hilltoppers to the um, Little Caesars Bowl. Okay, So we had a coach coaching at Florida State that coached his only bowl game, which they ended up losing, was at the Little Caesars Bowl. I'm just saying, look, not not anything against the guy. Great guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, definitely somebody that can be the offensive court could have been the offensive coordinator, maybe because of his his past, his history in, in in that department. Quarterback coach at Florida State, sure, but head coach, not not so sure he actually deserved that, right? Um, but they gave him a chance. They went out on a limb, and it didn't it didn't end right. Let's move it out of South Florida. He goes there. Right, he take he takes over at head at head coach down in Tampa in the Tampa Bay area. Um, he is a native there from you know from South Florida, and so when you look at it, his first season again a two and ten record. You know, obviously South Florida at that time were not great. Then he goes on to the next season. They would end up doubling the record four and eight. So he doubles wins from the previous year. So they moved to four and eight. And then the next season in twenty fifteen, he goes eight and five. He had Quentin Flowers, definitely an athletic quarterback, you know, similar to Lamar Jackson in ways. Um, you know, he was definitely the conference leader. He the conference leader at the time. Um, and then they were losing the Miami Peach Bowl, right? So, I mean, come on. Then the next year in 2016, they do go 10 and two, huge improvement. And then they share that um, athletic. American Athletic East Division Conference Championship. Um, and, and that was their first double-digit win in, in win history. So, and, and so when you look at it, or in team history. So when you look at it, he goes to Oregon. Oregon takes a roll in the dice. They're struggling. Um, he comes in. He goes 7-5, um, and five, right? 7-5 and five in his first season after replacing uh, Mark Rolfrich. So you look at it. Seven and five, he's he ended up being four and five in the Pac-12, and then the coach we go to replace a national championship coach with is somebody that had a losing record. I mean, that's just me. Again, I can see a great guy down to earth, had a vision, you know, lethal simplicity. His offensive was tagged, which I never ever saw anything lethal or simplistic about it. Seeing like the team was confused, lost in the sauce most of the time, as well as him. So you saw when it came down to it, him passing offensive coordinator play play calling duties off to somebody, which was Wilt Bell first year. And then obviously he brings in Kendall Bryles. And as much as y'all want to say that, that Willie Taggart didn't have a say in the offensive game plan or didn't, I don't know, right? Like Kendall Bryles has been basically successful in offense everywhere he's went. I mean, when you look at our offensive numbers, definitely a huge improvement. But I, I guarantee in certain ways he's handcuffed. Handcuffed in what he wanted to experiment with or try, especially with the two quarterbacks. Um, now when you're, when, now when you start, Florida State just doesn't do the two quarterback thing, man. And when you do start doing that, you know you're struggling. That's like when Steve Spurrier tried, you know, experimented with it. It just, at the end of the day, it just doesn't work. You have two guys trying to be leaders, trying to take the ball down the field and trying to work with that. It's just a nightmare, man. Alex Hornibrook, Pretty decent with Wisconsin, but why is he not at Wisconsin anymore? Because he's just not good enough to be Wisconsin's starting quarterback, right? Same thing 
we have two quarterbacks at Florida State, and James Blackman and Alex Hornibrook, that probably at the end of the day should not be starters at a school like Florida State right now. Um, I'm, I just don't. That's that's a, my straight up opinion, right? I mean, that's just me looking at it from the quarterbacks and what we've had in the past. Yes, you're gonna have some duds, Chris Ricks. You got got some guys that you know maybe should not be suiting up, but that's the best guys we have to give us a chance to win right now. So I got it, but I think Alex Hornibrook's experience gives him a leg up on um, James Blackman. But at the end of the day, James Blackman knows the system better, or he's been playing with Florida State. You know, probably has the respect from the locker room a lot more. But our O line right now. That is the story for years and years and continues to be year in and year out. Even I think during our national championship team, um, the one when we won with James, um, Jameis Winston, you look at it, we didn't have the greatest O-line there. He had to do some Houdini moves week in and week out. Um, and, and, and it just from there has been a consistent, horrible display of an O-line Every year, it just gets worse, right? You all, we always would have that one or two good, decent dudes on the O line, you know. And before that, I mean, we we're pretty solid. Um, Dalvin Cook, we didn't have Dalvin Cook as a running back when he when he played at Florida State. I mean, he did that like Barry Sanders, no line, just just straight raw talent. I mean, you can see what D Cook's doing. I mean, obviously he's in the NFL now, and Dalvin Cook is showing out even with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not saying that the Minnesota Vikings have a bad O-line, but I think that Dalvin Cook is just as good with a good O-line or not, right? When you're opening gaps for him, I'll see you later. Um, but when he has to work, because he has to work a lot, he has to get to the outside, but that speed is killer. Same way with Cam. Cam, Cam Akers right now is huge for Florida State, but he can't do it all himself. You start doing wildcats, you start mixing and swapping out quarterbacks, Back and forth, plays in, playing musical chairs. I mean, not good. Not a good look, right? Definitely shows that we're lost in the sauce. It seems like we would beat somebody, um, and then, it, oh, we're heading the right direction because we won one game, right? Then we would lose a game that everybody expects us to win, like this Miami game. Garbage offense. Okay on defense. Been struggling all year. Florida State hasn't been doing great either. But when you're thinking, okay, they've, they're coming off two straight wins, whatever it is, um, uh, whether they lost to Clemson like they did, it doesn't matter, right? Everybody's like, they're still they're still a better team. They're improving on defense. Whatever the case may be, it was a horrible display of offense and defense at the end of the day. I mean, got it. Defense did better than offense, um, and they allowed us to stay in that game for a lot longer. But getting burned over the middle like he did and Samuels, number eight, pointing people out every time he got beat or whatever it was. It's like, come on, bro. You don't single out your teammates like that. You're the one that's covering the guy man-to-man, whether there was a safety supposed to be in the middle of the field or not, but you got burnt, burnt, and burnt, right? So horrible, 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 horrible display. Um, again, like I said, a step forward, then 48 steps back, it seemed like, in the Tiger Dare. Um, it, it was just one of those situations that was not – didn't bode well, period, for them boys. Um, again, like I, I, I do want to say though, when you bring a coach like that, again, that hasn't 
seen the success that Florida State has outside of um, witnessing it, right? Outside of being a fan, whatever whatever Willie Taggart was, you know, a huge Florida State fan. It was his dream job, but it, the timing was not right. Again, you have to do something. And his in his in his hashtag do something is like, how about hashtag do something, and then we can hire you, right? Before you become the head coach of Florida State, I think they just went out on a limb. Um, just because I, I don't even know the reason. It was like we had to grab somebody, but I know. At the end of the day, maybe we just didn't hire the right guy, you know, because it's like if you if you think somebody the culture's wrong, whatever is the case, we have bad O line. Um, just you know, what would have been fair is probably let them finish out the year to see if we can make a bowl, right? If for somehow miraculously we beat Boston College, Florida, obviously we could beat Alabama State, but I mean, right now in this how lost Florida State looks from time to time. I can't even, you can't even say that's a guaranteed win. But, you know, for some reason, if he could have pulled two games out of this, this three-game stretch and made us bowl eligible, you know, it was like, okay, maybe maybe we have something to work with. Maybe he's still working some issues out because they're, again, I don't, it's going to take a coach a long time. But when, again, when you bring in a coach that hasn't done anything in his career outside of taking crappy teams and making them mediocre teams or just decent teams but hasn't done anything in a bowl or or anything major it's like come on man what are we doing here right you knew it was going to end up like this that is like the it was the writing was on the wall when this this whole thing started when you're when you're tagging things as lethal simplicity hashtag you know um do something but every press conference was the same week in and week out whether we lost or not we gotta learn how to win we gotta do this the culture's this it's like but Dude, let us hear you say something different one weekend. One weekend. Press conference, say something different. Not the same excuses, right? Hashtag no excuses was one of those things. We can't make excuses. We just got to win. But all I did was every press conference, excuses, right? A coach that is going to say, we're not going to make excuses, but then that's all I hear from him, right? We didn't execute well. I thought we were good. Every week, it was like we had the best week of practice, but then we come back and he can't explain it. They just didn't execute. Right, it's like y'all just ain't coaching them up right. It don't matter, and and yes, and unfortunately for him, he's the head coach. He's gonna get. The, he's the one that's gonna be kicked out of the door first, right? And then after that, it's a trickle down effect. So it's just gonna be interesting to see who Florida State brings in. I mean, there's so many. Like I get excited though when I think about one candidate. Again, if you're gonna pick out, if you're gonna pick somebody that hasn't done much, you know, it's like. Come on. But there's a couple of guys, young guys, like P.J. Flick from Minnesota right now, rowing the boat, right? What he did at Western Michigan, you know, when, when you look him up, obviously he doesn't have a huge line of credentials, but again, he's a young coach. But he turned that team around. He brought college game day for the first time, um, and it was just one of those things that, you know, Western Michigan, and then you go over to Minnesota, they they slip for a year or two maybe I don't know if this is a second or third year with Minnesota but look they're sitting at eight zero right now about to play face an undefeated Penn State team and if PJ Fleck in Minnesota the Gophers win that game I'm telling you right now I mean this this guy knows what he's doing because Minnesota again when when has Minnesota faced off undefeated this late in the year against a Penn State team um so I think PJ Fleck everybody I have people saying Mike Leach. Mike Leach done, right? I mean, 
to me, he coached at Texas Tech, gets fired or whatever after his debacle, can't control his mouth or whatever, and then he's at Washington State. Yes, um, Garden Minshew played for him. Awesome guy. The stash um, and and their air raid offense attack is very impressive to watch. But is he the really the right guy? Do you really want him? Somebody that that historically every year has played in in the conference, two different conferences that score a lot of points, have no defense. Um, obviously, if we can get an offensive-minded coach in, it would be huge for us. We do need somebody to help us score points. But, I mean, Kendall Bryles, put him on the right leadership, I think he could definitely take us to the next level, right? But, obviously, this, this who it's going to be interesting to see how this whole plays out. Who stays on the current staff? Um, who gets bought out? Who gets pushes out? Who gets pushed out, right? It's one of those things that, who knows what's going to happen. One thing is, like, please don't let it be Urban Meyer because, right, when the, if, if we did, I, I would say if he was a, if he was a possibility, go get him. But with his history of dipping out on teams, having, having health issues, yeah, him he hasn't ruled out coaching. Yes, I think he's the top candidate for USC. Um, but where does he really want to be, right? Ohio State was his job. Uh, Florida was his job. And, I mean, two, and he did great there, both places. But he dips out, right? Health issues, needs time off, needs to do whatever. I just, I think coaching period at that high of a level for him, how much um, is required from a head coach and how stressful it can be as being at one of these Power 5 programs, I don't think Urban Meyer needs to be doing that, man. Go to high school, do something like that. Because if you're just going to dip out on teams after taking them to where you're taking them, um, or you just can't cut the mustard because it's too stressful for you, I don't like the Urban Meyer decision if if they go that way. But again, like the athletic director or the uh, president said, it didn't matter if Willie Tiger got hit by a bus. We were not hiring Urban Meyer, so I'm I'm hopeful in that arena that Urban Meyer does not become the next Florida State coach. Um, and probably the money that we would have to pay that guy to be our coach is just we can't afford that, man. We can't afford that. And then looking at somebody like Bob Stoops, a legend, right? Legend of a coach. Um. But at the end of the day, he retires in 2017. Then he does something with the XFL um, to lead the team there. But is Bob Stoops the right fit? You know, who knows? Mark Stoops, good defensive coordinator for Florida State. Um, obviously, we'd go on to win the national championship the year after he leaves. But... Those players that that were set in there were groomed by Mark Stoops. So, you know, he's doing good at Kentucky. I just think he should stay. Um, it, but, hey, I wouldn't be against that hire. Um, but when you look at it, some of these other coaches, like just, again, the one that excites me PJ, is P.J. Flick. Um, you got Iowa State coach. Has got, he's in the conversation. Wake, Wake Forest head coach is in the conversation. There's a lot of coaches it could be. But it's like, man, hire somebody that hashtag did something. Like, don't start from scratch. Unless you want to go with somebody like PJ Flick. You know, he's exciting, man. The guy, I don't know if you've ever listened to that man talk. But when I, when I was watching him when he was at Western Kentucky, I want to believe um, the college game day was there. They did this thing on him, and it was very exciting. You know, the whole row your boat um, situation um, and what he had going on with them and then going over to Minnesota, taking that leap of faith. 
and it not working out initially. Similar to Willie Taggart's not working out initially, but now look, he has Minnesota eight and zero right now, about to face off against Penn State, where college game day easily could be there this weekend. But unfortunately for them, Alabama and LSU are pitted off against each other. Um, number one versus number two, game day college game day is not passing up on that. Even though you can pick an Alabama game or an LSU game any weekend to go to and host college game day, but PJ Flick, I mean, that guy to me, again, if you don't know this guy, go look him up. Just just his demeanor and how he carries himself is is pretty powerful. The guy is awesome. Um, so if, any, if anything happens and we bring somebody on like that, I'll be excited. Again, he hasn't done anything in his coaching career, really, um, when it comes down to it, right? He hasn't, but he's at a smaller school. Same thing with Willie Taggart, but again, when you look at credentials and look what he's done with what he's had, yes, I'm just I'm more heavily favored on PJ Flick, especially what he's doing right now with teams. Very interesting, um, just just a powerful situation to be in. So it's going to come up to Florida State. Who do you hire? Who does Florida State hire, guys? Put it in the comment section below. Who do they go out and hire? I mean, if they do something and just randomly pick another coach. Like they when when what they did with Willie Taggart, I mean again, it's like that's from left field. I mean definitely uh, Harbaugh's, you know how how close Willie Taggart is with the Harbaugh's. I mean had something to do with it, I believe. Being a good recruiter had something to do with it, but that culture, you no, know, it just isn't right. Um, and I, again, I think from the beginning he was set up for failure, bringing him in again, not doing anything. Um, <laughs> Bobby Bowden, bring back Bobby Bowden. I hear that, Tony. Tony Black, that's a good one. Man, Bobby Bowden is too old. I would love for that guy to have never gotten old and stay stay who he was. He's a good guy, good Christian man, um, highly respected. Will, will no doubt always be etched in my mind to be the greatest coach of all time. Again, I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Growing up, born in 83, seeing what he did with the team, an all-girls school at one time back in the day, taking them um, and challenging anybody. I mean, we would go anywhere, play anybody, right, when he was a coach at the beginning to put our name on the map. He took us from nothing and made us something, and I'll always be grateful for that for him. Um, and Anthony Williams, definitely PJ. I like it, man. I, I think Nassim, I like the PJ idea too, man. I, I, I just... Like, when you look at it, definitely Bobby Bowden is too old. P.J. Flick, though, he's a young cat, right? He can be there for a long time like Bobby Bowden did, right? People were calling out for Mark Rick. He just had a heart attack. We don't need to be messing with coaches that, you know, he he's Mark Rick, don't get me wrong, going, going to Miami. He coached at Georgia. He was our offensive coordinator at one time. We were, we were scoring some points. He's a 10-win coach, right? He can get you where you need to be as a 10-win coach. But – he never won that big game. And so he was hoping to do that at Miami. He just had a heart attack recently, though. It's like, do you really want to be messing with type of issues like that? Never know when, that co when your coach is going to fall out. That's not that's not a good – I mean, that can happen to anybody. I got it. Um, great guy, though. Mark Rick, great guy. Um, definitely would, have, would love for him to be my, uh, my son's coach, right? But – not somebody I want to trust my Florida State Seminoles with, right? Unless he comes back and offers a coordinator, do it, brother. Do it. You know? um, so it's a good one.
But yeah, guys, who do you, I mean, really, realistically, it's one of those things, guys. Florida Gators look good. My Knowles look terrible. Um, Florida Gators got beat by Georgia after looking good this year. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, Dan Mullen, I already have two losses. Um, coach at Memphis could be could be a good candidate. Uh, I don't know too much about him. Um, they're looking good though. I, I know he is a candidate though. Um, looking at looking through all the coaches, there are so many coaches that come through today. Um, so, so I'm saying Kirby, please, man. Kirk, why would Kirby leave the position that he's in in the SEC with the recruits he's bringing in? Go to Florida State. Get out of here. No. Even though I believe Georgia's cursed, man, when I look at it. Georgia just can't get right. They're that team that got all the talent. And they'll get you some wins. And they, but they, they, they fail you somewhere along the line. They're going to lose in the SEC championship game. They're going to lose somewhere in this during the season when they ain't supposed to. They're going to fail you, right? Um, so... It's just one of those things, guys. But I wanted to just jump on, get the conversation started, um, and talk about just what went down this past week in college football with those with, with those two incidences, right? Like the the UGA game and the Florida game where they were the two biggest games. You did have some ranked teams like um Baylor almost losing to West Virginia, 17 to 14. Um yeah, guys, give me some likes and comments. Hit that like button if you can. Um and it was one of those things that Baylor is heading in the right direction, two years removed from losing um, or just winning one game, right? I mean, they're sitting there undefeated right now, almost choked against West Virginia, which is a three and five team. And then you look at it, you had um, App State goes down, right? I didn't see that coming. Georgia Southern, though, that triple offense is a threat, right? They put it to them. App State was not ready for that triple option. That's two years in a row. It was 35 to 14, I believe, or something like that last year. And then this year it was 24-21. App State made it closer towards the end. But it them holes, it was just opened up. It was it was like opening the door up for that running back and that quarterback every time. That triple option couldn't be stopped. So what's up with the Bama-LSU game? Let's transition in. The scene brings that up because it's huge. I also want to hear your thoughts on the Minnesota-Penn State. A lot of people ain't looking at Minnesota, though. P.J. Flick. The boys, the boys beat James Franklin and Penn, and Penn State Nittany Lions, and then we got we got something going on. They got something brewing over there um, in Minnesota. So let's talk about the Bama LSU game. Definitely should be a good one. Um, and I'm leaning like I, I lean towards. I wanted the Gators to win this past weekend. Um, nothing against Georgia. I like Kirby Smart. I like the Georgia Bulldogs, but I wanted to see Dan Mullen have some success that he hasn't usually had beat a team like a Kirby Smart led UGA team. Um they didn't do that. Um Dan Mullen slips. I knew it was gonna be a close game. I even put it in one of the comments. Somebody asked me what they thought was going to happen. I said my heart or what I want to happen is Florida to win. But unfortunately I think Georgia's just too good and they'll pull out pull out a close game. And they did. Right? 24-17. And so this game, um yeah anyone in the National Football League we can steal. In this game, I, just like Nassim said, I'm leaning LSU. I am too. Uh, I'm going out on a limb right here just because that offense. LSU has something this year they've been lacking in the past. They've always had a good defense. 
You know, they've they've had some years where they had good offenses. But like Joe Burrow and LSU right now, they're playing some good football. And I think right now, whether Tua comes back or not for this game, Alabama has some athletes. They got NFL-ready guys. They got a good squad over there. But I think LSU is going to pull out a close one in this game. I, I just I really do. I look for them to stay number one. I look for them to be number one when the um, polls come out for the college football playoff tomorrow. Um, and I look for them to stay number one after beating Alabama. But even no matter what happens with these two, it's number one versus number two. So either one of these teams lose, they're still in this conversation, right? You got you got Georgia. Teams like Georgia, again, they're, they're harping on hoping they can get in the SEC East or in the championship game to beat the West um, champion, right? Because Ellis or Georgia put themselves in a horrible position, even though they, they beat the Gators, huge win for them. But the loss was brutal in South Carolina. South Carolina? Come on, man. So if LSU, I don't, I, I can see it playing out either way. LSU winning, Alabama winning, but neither one of these teams have fallen anywhere too far. They're going to still hover around maybe even the top five um, and be ready to sit there and claim that second position for the college football playoff. So we'll see what happens. History does say otherwise. Yes, LSU simply, you know, typically gives these games away. Um, but man, eventually history is going to catch up with Alabama, I believe too. Um, and Nick Saban, but, and I think it's a good year for coach O, coach Ogeron and, and seeing what he can do. Um, Joe, he has Joe Burrow and, and the boys are serious this year. The boys are serious. Can't be taken lightly. Um, set the, setting the tone early, looking good. Ohio State's looking good. But who wins the Minnesota-Penn State game? That's what I'm interested to see. Who could come out of that unscathed? I think if P.J. Flick and Minnesota Gophers end up winning and beating Penn State, that's going to push them further and further and just continue this argument um, of who should get in because until this weekend or until this coming week, Minnesota ain't been talked about. They ain't been getting any love, right? They're undefeated. They started the three of their wins, struggle bus. They won, but struggle. Won by like three points um, against some sloppy Joe teams, right? And I can't remember, off the top of my head, I don't know who it was, but Luke Fickle. Where's Luke Fickle out of? But when you look at it, um, uh, going back, it's like the boys have been playing some ball lately. Last few weeks. You know, they've been beating people by an average of like 25 or 30 points um, and, and not chumps either, right? They're, they're playing some good football. So they're, they're, they're looking complete each week. Um, and so Nassim's going Minnesota. Just because I like the guy and, I, and I'm not a huge Penn State fan, um, I like the coach. But I want to say Minnesota too. P.J. Flick, man. I think, I think the seat will really heat up if he ends up winning this game. Florida State probably going to make a hard run at him. Um, because one, when you look at it, we're paying Willie Taggart close to 20 some odd million dollars to get out, right? And the $17 million buyout, it doesn't end there for Florida State, right? They took him away from Oregon. They owed Oregon. They agreed to pay Oregon $3 million plus Oregon, I think passed the $1.5 million they were supposed to pay to South Florida off to Florida State as well. So they accepted that deal. And when you look at it, Willie Taggart, to fire Willie Taggart, they're giving old boy 21, 
20, 20 to 21 million dollars to to go. That's a huge chunk of change. So you got to go after a coach. I mean, seeing the buyout, the buyout that Willie Taggart ended up getting, that's like the second highest or buyout in history that's happened. And the dude didn't have like the credentials behind him. Again, we're not. We paid money. Like he made out like a bandit, right? I would have been fine getting fired too, personally. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I want to be a coach that's respected, that's winning games. But if I'm if my team's struggling and they end up getting rid of me, I'll take that twenty one million dollar pay paycheck piece and have fun, right? Find something else, go back to another team, then then try to do my thing, right? It's one of those things that like he can't, he might be crushed, but twenty one million dollars will make you make up for it a little bit, for sure. Um, but when you look at it, it's man, it's just one of those things that. Who do you who do you pay, right? I think PJ Flick right now is getting paid like three point five million dollars uh, for Minnesota. Obviously, if he comes to Florida State and first to pull him away, we'd have to pay him more. Um, any of these coaches, if we get legends, if we get people that like you know a Bob Stoops, if we get a Mark Stoops, we're gonna have to pay up. I mean, oh, definitely. I I know we were losing two mil per game, if not more. Um, nobody was showing up, right? I think the biggest crowd this year was the, the Miami game that we just played at 65,000 and the Florida State Stadium, Doak Campbell Stadium seats like 80, 85,000, right? So we never had close to a sellout this year. And I don't even think no matter what we have done outside of beating Boise State that first game and then not having some of these close games because most of our losses this year have been very close. Outside of this beatdown that we just witnessed, the two beatdowns of Clemson and and, um, and then uh, Miami, right? But Willie Taggart again, zero and five against rivalry teams, zero and two against Clemson, zero and two against Miami after blowing a twenty-one point lead um, or twenty-point lead last year, losing them that fashion, and then losing to Florida, and then I'm sure we'd have lost. We're going to lose to Florida again, so that right there would have been zero and six against rivalry teams that Florida State has and it just doesn't bode well. Um period. I'm not saying we can't win and get lucky and pull some of this out. But no, I agree, Anthony. He did love FSU. I mean you could tell it. He was passionate. He choked up. He was crying in his press conference. You could tell like I wanted everything if I if I could go down there and change look, appoint him as a coach, cool. And if I could help take some of this away, right? And right the ship, like I wanted him to be successful. I wanted him to be the guy because you can see how much passion he had for the university. You can see that. I mean, if we would have rolled out with him for this year, you know, who knows? He could have turned around in year three. But again, I agree with you. Coming in, I don't think he was the right guy. And then how long do you get, how long of a leash do you let him continue to go and coach and struggle? And just, again, I don't think he was the right guy. I loved the guy, um, you know. Heard, I mean, when, you, when you're when you talking to him or when you hear him interviews, I know he's a great guy. I know he means well. I know he want, he want nobody wants to fail. Um, but again, sometimes you have to fail to succeed. And hopefully this was the, his one of those hurdles that he face, faces in life. And whatever he does, he's going to be good at that. Outside, I mean, obviously he's going to continue to coach. I don't see him leaving the coaching arena at all. But I want him to be successful, man. Take over another another team. And then help them rise from the bottom to the top because Florida State is hitting rock bottom. As a Florida State team facing two years in a row, 
not get into a bowl? Are you kidding me? Like that right there was unheard of me growing up. I was born in 83. That's all I saw. Didn't matter. You know, winning records. Top fives. I mean, kept going. Top fives basically year in and year out while I was growing up. And then the furthest thing, if you said Florida State was going to miss bowls, I was like, you crazy. You crazy. But two years in a row, if you ask me if I was gone, again, I was deployed when I was in Afghanistan, you know, in, in the Army. Um, deployed, I wasn't able to follow. I followed along as religiously as I could um, with the lack of resources we had. But uh, watching the games was basically, you know, not happening. Um, and so there was a little bit of time where I got disconnected from college football, what was exactly happening, and couldn't follow it like I wanted to week in and week out. And during those years, Florida State was struggling, right? I mean, we've had some rough years but never rough enough to miss a bowl game until these two. I mean, come on guys. That's the thing that's been crushing. It's hurt. It's hurtful. And nobody wants to continue to miss the boat on this stuff. A bowl game, winning six games a year at, at Florida state at a Miami at a, you know, any of these colleges, colleges that are big time colleges. I mean, if you tell Alabama that they're just going to slip one day, uh, fall off the wagon. Nick Saban just dips out on him, hands everything over because he, see, he sees the writing on the wall, and then they start having six and six or four and eight and two and ten seasons. Come on, man. Everybody call you a liar because that's how I felt. I was like, I, he can't do that bad. I was like, come on, Willie, let's do this. Right? Let's make this happen. You can't do that bad. Um, could, it has to be better than what we did your first year. But look, we in the same boat, same record. That's hurtful, you know, and the fan base ain't having that. Florida State, I mean, again, yes, we are, what What can I say, um, spoiled, really. For the last 20, 25 years, we've been spoiled. I mean, one of the, the winningest teams in college football, I mean, as far as, like, what we've done since I've been alive was a lot, right? So, uh, just just been been a very frustrating few years um but you know again i don't it was like you said um anthony i think he was just not the right guy um but definitely love fsu my second option if we can't get pj who would my second option be hmm. yeah larry johnson said we have clay Hilton. <laughs> oh bro we good we're good on that um that's just like Lane. Look, before I answer your question, Anthony, it's just like Lane Kiffin, right? Like I just heard news that he wants to coach. Like he's at Florida Atlantic right now. Oh, what Lane Kiffin? Bust at USC. Bust when he went to Oakland Raiders. It's like, I mean, obviously he goes over to with Nick Saban, and and does pretty defense as offensive coordinator there. But and he had a leash on him like you would never believe. Nick Saban was always digging a hole in him. So I don't want to have nothing to do with Lane Kiffin. Don't want to have nothing to do with Urban Meyer. Don't want nothing, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence about Bob Stoops. Um, because, again, it's like, it's like okay, bring him back. It's like bringing back an old-timer, right? I mean, he's not that old. He's not a Bobby Bowden old or a Joe Paterno old. But I don't know if I want to be in that arena. Bring in some, if we're going to bring in somebody that hasn't done anything and then come up with all these hashtags, I mean, I would rather row the boat with P.J. Flick all day. So second option, second option. No second option. I, Matt, I like that. No second option. Bring P.J. Flick in. 
all day, all day, baby. But second option, man, it's like, who do I feel comfortable with taking a chance on? I mean, obviously anybody that, it's like they have to go after somebody hard, right? They have to be willing to pay up. Obviously, even though PJ Flick has three point is getting paid three point five million dollars, I think annually from Minnesota, you're gonna have to come after him with a good offer because, I mean, obviously he would definitely. I I don't know how entrenched he is with turning Minnesota around. Which I mean, they're doing pretty good. Turn them around, eight and zero right now. But it's like. What what's gonna entice him right now with the mess we're in right now to pull him from it? It's gonna have to be money, um, and it's gonna have to be some guarantees type stuff. But that buyout can't be no seventeen million dollars. Come on, cuz like do something before you get a seventeen million dollar buyout or a twenty million dollar buyout. It's like that. Whoever was Willie Taggart's lawyer or whoever made those decisions, man, they did they did him some favors. That right there is a huge blow. Our pockets done dwindled. So we're going to have to be able to, we're going to have to be willing to sell Dope Camel Stadium to get a coach in there. We might have to play at Florida High's football stadium or something. You know what I'm saying? To make it like Lane Kiffin is a legit contender. <laughs> Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany Fur, what's up? Been a minute, but no. Legitimate, no. Like, again, as much as I was like, Scratching my head. Like, I didn't know much about Willie Taggart, right? I knew he's the Oregon head coach. Knew he coached at Western Michigan, but I was like, did we just do this? Like, we just hired this cat. Like, okay. Okay. Somebody saw something. Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh's, I mean, the dad, daddy Harbaugh said he's a good coach, good, good candidate. Everybody loves him. Dabo Sweeney loves Willie Taggart. I was like, okay, we'll see. Let's see what's happening. Uh, two, nine and 12. Ain't much happening right now. Maybe year three we get something going. He just didn't make it that long. So, um, yeah, I think definitely. Anthony, I would agree with that. They both had the same agent, you know. Um, Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, Jimbo. Like, it's funny because Texas A&M is going to find themselves in the same situation as Florida State, I believe. I mean, you can kind of see that, right? I think he wins 10, year, 10 wins last year. He And they keep losing they keep getting beat by the good teams, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, and they, they keep going up and losing to some of these top, top contenders, Georgia, and, and stuff like that. It's like, you're going to have to win some of them games cause for Texas for you to earn your money from Texas A&M because eventually, a few years down the road, I don't know what his buyout is, but a few, a few years down the road because Texas A&M got some deep pockets, um, he might find himself um, facing similar situation as Willie. Obviously, he's not missing bowls. But when you're getting paid the amount of money Jimbo Fisher is, you better start winning. You better start winning some of them big games. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see what happens with Jimbo. But Lane Kiffin, oh, man, I think I'll have nightmares if he becomes our head coach. Um, same way with Urban, medical issues, man. It's like, okay, be going to sleep, probably be staying up all, all times of the day wondering when he's going to have a heart attack, right, or having some kind of issues. Mental issues. I really believe most of this stuff is mental. I I don't believe some of the reports that have what what's going on with him. I don't. Mike Norvell. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to bring in like again, like I said, a coach that is a good up up and comer, um, but doesn't cost an arm and a leg, or doesn't come with a twenty million dollar buyout. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. But I wanted to. 
pull something up real quick because it's one of those things. It's like, I don't even know who I would like. <clears throat> I just want to see how serious we get with some of these people, but we just can't take whoever. You know, like we have to be willing to sell Dope Campbell Stadium, um, Dick Hauser Stadium next door, the university. We got to be able to sell whatever, a new indoor facility, put it for sale. We got to get somebody in there, right? <laughs> like ASAP that can turn this program around because my thing is if Willie Taggart had credentials, I think, behind him coming in and he was struggling like this, right? Won some championships, maybe, you know, conference championship or two. Um, and again, have a proven track record of actually winning bowl games. I think we wouldn't be talking about this right now. He would still be the coach, but not having that proven track record, right? Like a Bob Stoops. I believe he gets more than two years or more than one and a half years. Um, you know, bringing a Mark Stoops. I believe he gets more than one and a half years being already coached at Florida state coaching in Kentucky. Um, Clemson's OC are their defensive coach. Yep. I know those are two candidates too, you know, Brett Venerables. And I don't know the OC's um, name off the top of my head, but he can definitely, he's definitely a candidate. And so either that can go either way with those, with that pick. I would not be hurtful on that. It's like, you know, Clemson's D coordinator, defensive coach, they're doing, they're doing work on defense because he, he, the strategies and the, the schemes and stuff he has implemented for that university. Dabo Sweeney forever was on the fence of getting fired, right? He was on the border. He couldn't do this, couldn't do that. But somehow they figured it out. He saved his job, got a couple big victories under, under his belt. And then basically when, when Jimbo started going south, Clemson started getting on the up and up and Dabo started winning those games and they stopped Clemsoning what they used to call it, right? They stopped Clemson and, and then they've just turned into a powerhouse. They've turned into actually the Florida State of like the 90s. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that Florida State has to find a way to get back there. Miami has to find a way to get back there. Um, Virginia Tech has to find a way to be, get back there, right? These are teams that typically, me growing up, they're good. So... Yeah, I definitely think he's a beast. The D coordinator, definitely somebody that I would be interested in not lose sleep over um, us bringing in. I would definitely be happy with that hire. But he's definitely going to have to work some magic in the offensive coordinator because it's, it's one of those things. Is who do you, do you pick a defensive coordinator or somebody that has a defensive background as a coach? Or do you lean with an offensive coordinator or somebody that has an offensive um, background as a coach? I don't, I don't care as long as we start getting results, right? But you have to also have somebody willing to bring in somebody that you can work with. Not all head coaches. I mean, me, I don't know if I want to be coaching on Nick Saban, how, how hard he is on people. Like, I'm a hard guy. I'm a hard, I'm a hard person to please. I'm coaching. But me and Nick Saban would be getting into it, I'm sure. Like, I get him, I get old boy in a headlock, give him a noogie or something. Um, I just, I don't think I could coach him to save it. I don't know. He, had, he's doing some kind of voodoo dance and, and, and at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out something like he's been cheating this whole time, um, figuring out ways, you know, the word out, a word is out, like, you know, trying to, people trying to throw him, like some players throwing him under the bus, you know, paying student athletes before they're able to get paid. We'll see. But it's just one of those things, guys. And it's all fun and love and conversation, man. But I'm about to jump off of here. I've rambled along too, 
off for too long, but I appreciate everybody interacting and getting on here with me and making this Facebook Live fun. I'll try to keep these, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour so I can get some conversation with everybody. But again, guys, if you can like, uh, follow College Sports Hour if you haven't yet, that'd be awesome. Um, give us some love. I'll be pushing out some podcast episodes. You can find um, College Sports Hour on basically any podcasting app out there. Um, I would love for you to go to collegesportshour.com. That is collegesportshour.com. Subscribe there or listen to us through the Radio Republic app. Um, I'll be coming out with new episodes. I'll be doing more Facebook Lives, though, because I like this live interaction with everybody. Oh, no, I agree. He's definitely sold his soul to the devil, Nick Saban. And, and I don't know, like, Dab as much as I like Dabo, or I like Dabo, um, it's one of those things I think he's he's the second coach that done sold himself, his soul to the devil. So we'll see. I mean, he you could, he's a good Christian man, but man, sometimes some of these winning, some sometimes the pressure of winning gets to these coaches. No matter how good of a person they are or not, that it can get to these coaches. How much stress they go under, how how much they're they're asked to perform, whether they control it or not. Specifically, you know, a lot of weight comes comes down to being a Power Five coach or just a coach in general. Um, and what about LSU defensive coordinator? Nah, see, I don't know enough about some of these guys to really make an educated decision on that. But at the end of the day, man, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But again, guys, thank you for jumping on with me. I'll get on again and talk some more college football. Let's continue this conversation. Um, appreciate everybody's time. Y'all have a great day. Again, this is Clint McPherson signing off. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Yeah, this is the College Sports Hour. We got Clint and Greg uh-huh. dropping episodes yeah. every week. It's so hype, better believe. Uh-huh. Make sure that you tune in. It's the real deal and I ain't lying. Yeah. From NCAA to college football yeah. on that gridiron. Yeah. What's good? Yeah. Should be understood. Yeah. In March, we going mad, so stick tuned. Let's get to it. Yeah. Join that conversation, because you know they keep it rolling. Rollin'. Watching the bases loaded. They love baseball, and you know this. Hey, this is the College Sports Hour. Where it's going down at College Sports Hour. Welcome to the podcast with your host Clinton Gregg. You don't want to miss this. Yeah. Giving you the info and plenty opinions. Yeah. yeah. Ready? Then let's get it popping yeah. with a former college athlete and a guy who went to college. <laughs> sports, they know all about it. If you love college sports, then you couldn't live without it. Let's go. The College Sports Hour with your host Clinton Gregg. Make sure to subscribe. Let's go.